Sergio, if you like what we're doing here, if you support the show and you want to give support to the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash let's talk native. And if you do so, we'll provide you some exclusive content and some things that uh, others aren't going to get when you get it. So support us by going to Patreon. Yahweh. Let's Talk Native is produced at the LTN Studios on the Cataraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. We break all the rules for Native media by peeling back the layers of assimilation and indoctrination. No prayers, no buffalo speeches, and no spirituality shows. While this podcast does not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do take a tough look at history, oppression, and our survival. But the real goal here is to bring our people together by breaking down what separates us. So, welcome to Let's Talk Native with John Kane. Sego, and welcome to Let's Talk Native. I'm John Kane. I'm your host. And um, look, we hear a lot about the absolute need for unity. And I'm talking about from Native people. I mean, we always, oh, we all have to, we all have to come together. All the, the, the indigenous peoples have to come together. And, and look, we have the conversation, uh, you know, even with, with Native people and indigenous people from South America. I'm not opposed to the idea of unity. But the idea that it's necessary for us to advance who we are, ah, man, if that's the, if that's ne- the necessity, then we might as well give up because that ain't going to happen. I'm going to tell you. There's... You can accomplish a great deal with a small, committed group of like-minded people. And look, the, the very show that we do here, look, we're not trying to create, you know, some viral sensation here. Our podcast is about education. It's about offering, if, if anything, a something that's outside of the conventional wisdom when it comes to Native people. Why? Because it exists. The views that I'm expressing are not just mine. Yes, they are mine, but they're not just mine. They just aren't what's put out there by those iconic leaders. That you know, we always talk about how everybody loves the the Indian who talks about peace and love and and spirituality and and dance and culture. They don't love us so much when we're stopping a pipeline. They don't love it so much when we're teaching about genocide and murder or residential schools. Yeah, we're the inconvenient, uh, what they call the inconvenient Indian, I guess, because we're going to tell you the truth. Now, the problem is it's hard to reconcile that truth if you're embracing so many aspects of capitalism or American-style democracy and, and everything else. And look, I don't want to fight that war with everybody. I know there's a lot of people who are, who are, who are all in with the Democrats or maybe all in with the Republicans or you know, or whatever. I mean, on the, and on the Canadian side, same thing. There are native people who are all in with, with band councils and tribal councils. And, and I'm not saying that they're all my enemies. I, I, sometimes I think that we're, we're at loggerheads with each other on a lot of issues, but I always look at, at everybody as an opportunity to, to learn something that says I had that wrong. I've got to change my way, way of, of, of looking at things. So the perspective that I'm trying to offer with this program now <laughs> three times a week is, is one that when you hear it, 
I hope it clicks a little bit. You don't have to fully embrace it. And I'm not trying to convince everybody to see things my way or the way that I see things. I'm just trying to let people know that, that there's a perspective that, that's out there that if enough of us take that perspective and then act on it, and, and when I say act, I refer to myself as an activist, but an activist is somebody who does things, doesn't just put, look, I mean, we, we hear all about Facebook warriors and, you know, and, and people who, you know, who, who log on to social media and, and that's the way they do their level of activism. And look, there's value to that, but real activism comes in being active and actually accomplishing something and doing something. And unfortunately, we have a lot of people who are working on their own to make small strides towards, you know, um, autonomy or distinction or, or, or sovereignty. What I'm hoping to do, not only with the outreach of this program, but just in general, is identify and connect with like-minded people. Look, I've talked about doing a tiny home project. It's not just so I can live in a tiny home. It's, it's to change our view of what a home uh, you know, can be and should be. I mean, when I look at the idea of living in something that, that is really the place that you sleep and eat when the weather doesn't, appre uh, doesn't uh, cooperate with you versus trying to build these McMansions on native territory. Look, I, I know a lot of people have different ideas of what success is. But for me, emulating the, what, what a white man's version of, or interpretation idea of, of success is, is not mine. I don't, want, I don't need a McMansion. I don't need to have, you know, 30 acres of groom lawn. You know, I, I'd, rather, I'd rather see corn growing there. So we, we need to identify the people who we can connect with. And look, unity sounds great. And, and I think while I'm not trying to promote disunity and I'm not trying to ostracize anybody, I want to identify the people within native territories that I can work with. And, and so whether, whether I'm working with people in sharing content, like, like what we do here with the show, or whether it's working with people to advance some level of sustainability, whether it's, like I said, tiny homes or agriculture or, or even certain businesses, sustainable energy businesses, wh whatever the case may be. We, I haven't, haven't seen any place where all of these things co have come together. I've talked about transition towns, which is not even a native concept. They should be, but it's not. But these are the kind of things that we need to talk about. So I, again, I was just talking to, to my, my friend Degorun uh, uh, yesterday or the day before. And, and we're, we're talking about this, you know, the, this trap that we fall in that says, oh, well, we can't do anything until we unify our, all our people. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm, that's, that's not my goal. My goal is to find the few people that we can work with. And it isn't even just native people. You know, I, I, I'm sometimes wary about the role that allies can play when we're trying to advance a cause because I don't want allies to take over our message. I don't want allies to, to think that they can talk or, and speak for us. However, I do realize that in many ways, economically, you know, socially, uh, environmentally, we are all in the same boat. So there are some things we can do with, with other peoples of of. Of, of different ethnicities or backgrounds. And I think we, we should approach that. I'm, I'm not considering that my tight circle of, of like-minded people, but they are a circle of like-minded people. 
But I, I don't, I, I think the obsession that many of us, and, and I had somebody reach out, uh, out to me from Central America. And they said, you know, they like the show, they hear me talk about, uh, um, about Native issues, and why don't I talk more about uh, Indigenous people from Central America? Look, I've got to tell you, when I talk about um, Native people on either side of the imaginary line, uh, meaning Canada, the Canadian border, I, I should make more of an effort to reach out and, and embrace uh, Native people, Indigenous people uh, in, in Central and South America. Because you know what? Some of those folks are probably much farther along in maintaining or, or keeping some of their distinction than many of us who have been inundated with American society all around us. So I realize that there's some language barriers, oftentimes not just the English-Spanish thing, but even in indigenous languages. But we should, I mean, we should reach out. Not to try, um, this isn't just about the, you know, this eagle and condor flying together, you know, to, to represent unity. But it's about representing relationships. And I don't care if it's, if it's a handful. I don't care if it's a handful of people in Central America or a handful of people in, in uh, you know, in, in Venezuela or Chile or, or, or any place else. I think the, the idea is, is, is to develop a network of, of a few individuals in some of these places that we can, that we, that, that, that network produces something. And I don't just mean communication. I mean, communication is the start, but there may be products and services and, you know, and, and, you know, and other resources that we can, we can provide each other. But no, I, I'm going to, I'll flat out say it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not big on the whole unity kumbaya thing because it, it concerns me that we, we can be so obsessed with numbers and trying to accumulate numbers. And look, I'm trying to create a, a good podcast here. And, and, I, and I'll, I look at the, at the numbers and, and who's listening and, and that kind of stuff. But part of it is, isn't so much because I think I'm winning people over, but it's about exposing people to a message they may not have heard before. So, yeah, we're trying to do something here. We're, we're, this is a bit of an outreach effort. But it's not, uh, it, it isn't towards trying to create this grand, you know, big, and, and when I say big uh, network of people, what comes with that idea with size inherently ends up being weakness because you end up pulling in people who are not that committed. They may have just leaned that way because, you know, because I knew a guy or something like that. I mean, when I think about the, the big changes that happen, they usually happen with a with a small core group of people. I mean, look, I, I think about uh, the the uh, Cuban um, revolution. I mean, it was it was about a dozen guys. It was it was Chavez and um, uh, who's the other guy with the motorcycle diaries? Um, um, I'm drawing a blank, but I'll, I'll think of his name. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it was you know it, it you know it was Fidel Castro and um, geez, I'm, I'm, I'm actually. Anyway, I'll think of his name, but <laughs> it was Fidel Castro and, 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 and a few individuals who, who che, Guevara. che Guevara, I'm sorry, Che. Yeah, so you got Fidel and Che that lead this, the, this revolution with literally a dozen or so people. I mean, so they didn't need to have thousands. And, and the problem is when you have thousands, and I tell you, in every, every event that I've been a part of, every movement that I've been a part of, We've been infiltrated. And, and it's not just by the government. Sometimes it's people who are just trying to make a name for themselves. You know, they, and I'll tell you, in, in the, this time right now of social media, 
and you know and you know and, and all these people who can you know create news content via the internet with with just a cell phone there are plenty of people who come into our territory i, I don't know how many books have been written about standing rock but I'll bet, I'll bet there's dozens of either videos, documentaries, or books that have come out since Standing Rock. Everybody's got their story to tell. You know, so were those people really committed to the cause? And I'm not saying they weren't. Or were they, you know, kind of, you know, exploiting the, the issue for their own self-gain? This is, this is where we come down to, right? I mean, hell, even, I mean, even uh, Deb Hallen attributes her run for Congress to having spent time in, in Standing Rock. I mean, it's like, okay, can we talk about the success of Standing Rock? Because there in Standing Rock, the same thing. We saw groups of people. We had, you know, lots of allies who, who came in. And we had veterans that came in. And we didn't necessarily invite them in. And I say we, I mean Native people. Everybody just came. They saw an opportunity to advance a cause that in a way would advance them a little bit too. So I don't need 10,000 people. I, you know, I, give me a couple of hundred, you know, people in various places across, you know, native territories. And that's a solid group. That's a solid group that you can, you can begin something. Now there will be people that when we um, advance certain issues and, and we have a lot to worry about, you know, I've said this before, the United States is unraveling. Canada is not far behind it. The, the, the whole global marketplace is, is at risk. And so the things that we do that will create opportunities, even as their systems are unraveling, will lead by example. I'm not worried about the numbers. They'll, they'll come as, as we have success. In fact, those numbers can actually you know, stall the success that, that we try to have as we carve out our distinction and our autonomy. You know, I, I know everybody thinks everything's a, a numbers game. It's like you have to have a significant num amount of people to, to represent a movement. And that's, I, I think that's a fool's game. You know, it, when I looked at how some movements, you know, began, like I don't know, I don't know more. And, and be, before too long, you know, it, 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 it invariably gets top heavy, even though it's not the intent. The whole intention of I don't know more was it for it to be always be grassroots. And have no leadership. So what happens? Teresa Spence up in Attawapiskat starts doing a hunger, hunger strike. Actually, not in Attawapiskat, but at the, uh, um, in Victoria Island in Ottawa. And her hunger strike completely overtakes I Don't Know More. And, and you know, I'm not saying I Don't Know More is dead, but it's, it, it certainly lost all of its wind. I mean, uh, and the same thing, land back. Land back. Now we're starting to hear people talk about land back as far as turning into like, like policy adjustments for, for tribal councils and, and lobbying efforts. No, that's not what land back's about. Land back's about taking land back. You know, and so if we don't, if we're not careful, even, you know, the nice catchy movements that we, that we get involved in, they can get away from us. And all of a sudden, the whole intent of that movement changes. And that's why I say, you know, when I look back at when the warrior societies were were, were really um, beginning, and I'm, I'm talking about coming out of, as I talked a couple of shows ago about the, the sovereignty movement, we, we knew what we were doing. We saw, we saw organization at, you know, at, at levels that our territories hadn't seen in, in probably hundreds of years. And it wasn't about 
necessarily leadership as much as it was organization. And so, you know, yeah, the, the, the leadership was by what was the organization. And we, we accomplished things. We, we, we had revenue streams. We, we funded programs and we oversaw programs. And there were some programs that we didn't oversee at all. We, we just said, no, this is for, for the women to do, do something with. This is something for, for land acquisition to, to be done with. And, and so we, 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 we compartmentalized the efforts that we were putting forward. And, and we ha- look, we, we accomplished some, some amazing things. And, and, and I'll say today, as I said a couple of shows ago, much of what we rely on now for economies were, were all of these regulatory advantages that, that the warrior societies fought for. We, fought, we, we, we pushed back on states. We pushed back on provinces. We pushed back on the U.S. and Canada in order to assert our right to, to, to generate revenue. And, and we made sure that the revenue was, wasn't just making a few people rich. Now, uh, that clearly got away from a bunch of us. And now you know, that, that a lot of that movement has turned into you know, more of the haves and have-nots. But it didn't start out that way. And part of it is, 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 again, understanding having a small, dedicated group of people who stay focused on what the, what the objective is can accomplish a, a, a much more than trying to build a huge network, financial network or otherwise. So I, I think it's really important that, that we, we don't get obsessed with, uh, you know, not either with unity or trying to create a huge, you know, body of, of people that agree with us or, or that, that, that share the same view. Because, again, what you, what you invariably see when you have more and more people is you have more numbers but less commitment out of each individual. And, and, and that can be your undoing. So I'm not going to, I'm, look, I'm not going to condemn those who call for unity, but if you're calling for unity as an excuse not to do something until you have it, then that, that's a bit of a problem. So I, I think we do have to be, I, I think we do have to use the resources that we have, use the people we have and, and become real activists. I don't mean performative activists. I don't mean just show up someplace with signs. And there's nothing wrong with showing up someplace with signs. But, but true activism is about being active and about accomplishing something, not just putting demonstrations. I, I don't want to be a demonstrator. I don't want to be a protester. I want to be an activist. I want to build something. And so that is, I think, the message we got to get out there. It's fine to be a protester. It's fine to be a demonstrator. But... Those aren't necessarily the people that I need the closest to me. What I, the people that I need around, you know, and the people that I think we need to advance a cause are not the protesters and the, and the demonstrators, the doers, the people who are actually going to do something. And I don't care if that do something means, means language and, and teaching or whether it's planting or whether it's building. But these are the kind, we, we have to have concrete actions that come from, uh, from, a group of us, the numbers will come. The numbers will come, especially if, if I, if I am even remotely correct in, in watching what's happening in the United States in particular, look, the current generation in the United States is probably not going to make as much money as the, as the previous generation. I mean, and I'm talking about the average American. Why? Because the system has been rigged. 
everything has been geared towards the the wealthy getting wealthier. You know, whether it's tax policy, whether it's, you know, uh, government subsidies, whether it's, you know, r- the regulatory systems that will always come into effect when we try to do something, but will always be, you know, slid off to the side as, as wealthy people uh, continue to, to grow out their wealth. I mean, my when I grew up, my father could could be a, a single income parent raising, you know, three or four kids and, and support a wife. And only work 40, maybe 50 hours. I mean, if he, if he could, he was a high steel worker, so they got paid well for their overtime. But now you have to have two parents. You, know, you, you have to have a two-income household. And that, and that doesn't make you affluent. That, that keeps you right at, you know, hanging, <laughs> clinging on to uh, what we, the United States would call the middle class. And and that's that's when the economy is there to support two incomes, two two you know um, uh, gainfully employed people in a family. That's not an easy ticket to find either. So I know just by seeing what people are going through. Look, I, I look people have stuff. There's no question about that. We haven't lost our our you know our desire for stuff, not electronics and cars and and that kind of thing, uh, debt. You know, we're we're living in a, in a world today that is more reliant reliant on debt than ever before. In fact, if you look at the global economy, there isn't enough currency, or even you know a, a specific you know valued asset out there to support the 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 amount of um, commerce that takes place in the world. It's all being done on paper. It's all being done uh, by uh, with lines of credit. The house of cards could unravel. And if we, as Native people, don't begin to unravel ourselves from some of that, and we, we like I said, it's not going to be all of us. We need to start. Be, we need to begin the process of developing uh, and, and securing our distinction. And you know, I know that sounds real generic, and it is real generic. Be, and and I'm going to tell you, I don't have the answers. I just know the direction we need to go. So. Again, I don't need I don't need ten thousand people, you know, and and I don't think we need to get ten thousand people together to to be of one mind. But I'll I'll take I'll take hundreds at a time, you know, and and each community you give me a handful of people from each community that that will make one meaningful step towards this, and and I and I think we we accomplish something. But I think that's that's the the, the desire should be for us to seek out like minded people, and and look, and that's not easy. I mean, it really isn't because. Look, I, I've been involved with people for sometimes you know, several years, and then then I find out that they're really harboring some some other other thoughts that are not consistent with with the direction we need to go. And sometimes it's people embracing you know some some wild ideas about you know whether it's conspiracy theories or yeah you know some people get so locked into this this notion that that everything is being controlled by a few rich white men. That we that we forget what control we have over our own lives. We we buy into this idea that we're all being manipulated all the time. Look, there's a lot that's being manipulated, and, and, and there's a lot that's being manipulated by a few. But we don't have to choose to be manipulated. And there are there are many things that we can do that will cut those strings. And if and if you don't believe you can do that. 
then that's not the group that I'm that I'm hope that I'm hoping we can we can drum up. Like I said, give me a give me a small, dedicated, strong minority over a large, weak majority any day. And this is where I get into this, you know, into some of my my thoughts about democracy being so weak. The problem with dem- democracy is that it's it's always about creating numbers of people who will agree with you for that moment. And they may and the, the the whole idea of this big tent philosophy is that you you bait out you bait the public to agree with you over something that is probably insignificant, you know, so whether it's a social issue or or a, a family values issue as they claim, you put it out there and then you you, you draw attention and when you you find out half the people don't agree, don't agree with the with the real substance of what of what your organization is supposed to represent. So no, I don't need to get numbers for the sake of numbers, either <laughs> as subscribers to our show or as a part of a movement going forward. But I won't reject. I mean, I think if, if people really want to understand what it, what it would mean to move forward as a distinct people, and and it doesn't mean you've got to ostracize everybody in your life. It's about what you're dedicating yourself towards. And and look, part of that dedication. I know it sounds trite. has to has to start with your with your children and where where you're going with your with with your families. What future are you trying to uh, you know trying to chart for your you know for your families? And and I'm not saying you got to throw everything out everything out, but we got to begin be, begin to take those steps. And you know, and I'm seeing some of it, but but I've seen some of it before. I mean, when 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 my friends took took land back in the '70s in, in what would become Gunyange. That was one of the biggest, boldest steps that were ever ever taken. And only today is the conversation about land back starting to think, you know, rekindle that, that notion again. But it's also being diluted in some places to mean other things other than literally taking land back to live. I mean, there's no sense in taking land back just that just to to claim ownership of land. The whole idea of land back is, is to live on land. And to have and to create sustainable lives on on those lands, that's what Ganyange started out to be. We can argue where it is now, but but the whole philosophy that went went into the idea that we're going to reassert and reestablish native communities. And look, we have some territories that are big enough to have native communities started right within. We don't even even go go off someplace to to find and, and fight a battle over land. But we need to have a different mindset about what community is because land by itself is not community. And, you know, even this idea of nation isn't community. Community is about how you relate to each other. And, I, you know, I've talked a great deal about that on this very, on this very program. But I think as we, as we embrace some of these ideas that, that address climate change, that address, um, you know, economic dependency on, on, uh, on uh, capitalism that address our future and, and address sustainability. As we begin those conversations, like I said, we don't need 10,000. Just let's, let's really concentrate on those like-minded people that we can do some of these, these, these kinds of projects with. And then look at as people become disillusioned with their lives in in whatever whatever other system they they have you know been operating in the numbers will come 
and, and but again, once again, we, we will have to be wary because I've seen great movements start and, and then unravel. Unravel because not everybody shares the same views and the same values. When you, when you begin to, to show some success, some people start thinking about cashing it out. Some people start thinking about what they can compromise here and what they can compromise there. I've heard lots of lots of conversations that uh, that people have had about, you know, how we secure our territories against, you know, drugs and alcohol and or, or, or whatever else. And, you know, part of it is about reestablishing communities with standards. And, and there's nothing and there's nothing wrong with that. But that, that's that's on us and we get to decide that. This isn't about a nation project. This isn't about um, you know, getting funding from the Canadian government or the federal government or anything else. This is about us initiating certain things. And, and, I, and again, I, I, the, the biggest point that I'm making with this program today is that we don't need to have some massive call-out for unity. It'll be great if it comes, when it comes. But we don't have to have a massive call out for unity. We really need to concentrate on the like-minded people who share our commitment to to not just preserve, but to but to assert the lives that we want to live. A little bit different message than I've given before, but um, I think I think it's important. I think it's important that we understand that we have to have goals and we have to work towards those goals, and that work doesn't come. You don't accomplish those goals merely with demonstrations or with, with performative activism. It comes from being active, from acting on the goals that you have set for yourselves. Let's be activists, not performers. Thanks for listening. So let's talk native. I'm John Dane. Yahweh.